Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, Episode 7, The Fight for Freedom Resurges. I'm your host, William of Claremont. When last we left, the Estonians had just lost the, the Battle of St. Matthew's Day, and all of southern Estonia was now conquered, and the momentum seemed to be going in the Christian favor. In this week's episode, we will move our eyes to the northern part of Estonia as well as the island of Sadarma, which in Estonian means island land, and Lanema, which means western land. I think it's important to point out for the contents of this episode that these two regions have always had close ties due to their geographic location. They are neighbors. But let's start this week's episode in the north. The Danes conquered northern Estonia. In the summer of 1219, the recruitment drive was successful and included prominent members of the noble class, such as the Duke of Saxony, Albrecht of Anhalt, many counts, and King Valdemar himself, and with him, a fairly large Danish army. The church was represented by the Archbishop of Lund and the Bishop of Estonia, Theodoric, whom we have mentioned on many occasions as he has been a successful leader in the Christianization of Estonia. In all, about 3,000 sailed to northern Estonia and docked at the port of Tallinn, which at this time was called Lindanise, and soon to be renamed Revel, but we will continue to call it by its modern name, Tallinn. The army went directly to work demolishing the old fort and reconstructing an impressive new Danish castle. At first, there was no resistance from the local Estonians. The local elders and envoys that made their way to the Danish camp came across as peaceful. However, word went out in the surrounding area that there was an invading army, and the Estonians started gathering in the forest around Tallinn, but stayed out of sight of the Danish forces. According to Henry of Livonia, the envoy that made their way to the camp came across as peaceful, and gifts were exchanged. Nice words were shared, and the Estonians were even christened. It appears all of this was an attempt to buy some time, while a sufficient force could gather. Three days later, though, the Estonians attacked without warning in five different places. The plan for the attack was to raid the Danish camp, find the tent with the Danish king, and kill him. Of course, none of the Estonians knew what the Danish king looked like or exactly where his tent was. The Estonians made their way to a tent they believed contained the Danish king and killed the bishop of of Estonia, Theodoric, instead. Theodoric had been in Livonia and Estonia for 20 years, and was an integral part of the Crusades against the people of Estonia. Well, the battle raged with hand-to-hand combat, and the Estonians were charging after the fleeing Danes until Prince Vitslav of Rugen came to the battle with his Slavic forces and slowed the attack, therefore allowing the Germans and Danes to regroup and turn the tide of battle in Denmark's favor. According to Danish legend, 
At this critical point in the battle, a red banner with a white cross fell from heaven. And this sign from God helped rally the Christian troops. The, ban the banner later became the Danish national flag, the Danibrog. Henry of Livonia states that over a thousand Estonians were killed in battle, with many more chased down in the surrounding area. After the battle, the construction of the castle continued, and once completed, King Valdemar made his personal chaplain Bishop of Estonia, gave orders to the garrison to hold the castle and to Christianize the local pagans, and he left Estonia to head back to Denmark. After the capture of Tallinn and the surrounding areas, very few tribes in Estonia had not converted to Christianity. In southern Estonia, the Germans, Livonians, Letts, and even newly converted Estonians were resorting to terror tactics to force the conversion upon the Estonians. According to William Urban in the book The Baltic Crusades, in the pagan villages, all the adult men were killed and the women and children were captured and enslaved. The structures in the villages were burned and the livestock that couldn't be transported were set loose. The terror tactics did their, get their desired result as the village elders of the remaining pagan tribes suddenly accepted baptism and conversion. After these last holdouts converted, all of mainland Estonia had been converted to Christianity and placed under the, the control of the Bishop of Revel, who was then under the control of the Archbishop of Lund and the King of Denmark. There were, however, another group of Estonians that weren't yet conquered and still practiced their ancient religion. They weren't on the mainland, though. These were the islanders of Sodermaa. I personally see this as fitting. All of the people of the Baltic region, merely a couple hundred years prior to this, were pagans. The most famous of these pagans were the Vikings. Earlier in this podcast, I covered this part of history, but very little written record exists of these ancient pagan times. I mentioned the raids Sodermaa made on surrounding areas and the close ties it had with Gotland, a known Viking base. While the islanders were not Germanic-speaking, they did participate in just about every type of Viking activity. And I personally like to think of these Estonians of Sodermaa as the last holdouts from the Viking Age, and a main reason why the Danish king wanted to capture Sodermaa in, in his initial attempt was to put a stop to the plundering the pirates of Sodermaa were involved in. Well, in the winter of 1119 and 1120, the islanders, the islanders had taken the opportunity of the frozen Baltic Sea to march to mainland Estonia and deconvert some Estonians who had recently converted to the, to the Livonian church back to their pagan religion. The news made its way to Riga and an army left to confront the islanders running rampant in southern Estonia. The army from Riga first came across the fleeing Estonian villagers that reported on the destruction of their land, and then they came up upon a burning village, 
and the islanders of Sodermah. Fierce hand-to-hand fighting commenced, and eventually the islanders broke and made a run for it, the whole time pursued by the allied army from Riga. They were chased through a field, and then the sacred grove of the village, being cut down as they attempted their escape. Even some of the women from the village set upon the islanders with clubs. In all, 500 islanders were counted dead, with many more uncounted in the fields and woods. Only two Germans and two Letts were reported killed on the Allied side. The Germans sent message to Tallinn notifying the Danes of their success in stopping the raid and of the and the defeat of the pagans. The Bishop of Tallinn replied back thanking the Germans, but also notifying them that not only was Tallinn in Danish hands, but that they had ownership of all of Estonia and requested the captives be sent to Tallinn. This was news to the Sword Brethren, as Bishop Albert had not mentioned any, anything about these new events, and in their minds, a good portion of Estonia was their hard-fought-for territory. When the Master of the Sword Brethren handed over the captives, he made it known that this was not an admission of Danish rule, and that most of Estonia, as far as he saw it, was still under the rule of the Church of Livonia. Since Bishop Albert had kept these new events with Denmark a secret from the Sword Brethren, the Grand Master felt that Albert had purposely deceived him. The Grand Master sent the, of a fellow brethren, Rudolf of Vinden, to Denmark to seek an audience with the king and plead their case. Rudolf was able to meet with the king, and while pleading his case, he pledged the service of the order to the king of Denmark. In reward for this, the king gave the order the regions of Sakala and Ugandi. This information, of course, didn't sit well with Bishop Albert, and he ordered priests to Sakala and Ugandi to continue their missionary work and, importantly, collect tithes for the Church of Livonia. Well, not to get too deep into the weeds with church politics, a lot was happening behind the scenes, with the moving around with new bishops and archbishops. Albert was sacked and replaced, and the citizens of Riga rebelled against the new bishop, and the new bishop was forced to leave, and Albert was able to return, but the king of Denmark reneged on giving Ugandi and Sakala to the Sword Brethren. Sweden invades Estonia. The young king Johan of Sweden was watching territory that is right across the Baltic Sea get gobbled up by his neighbors and decided to try to get a, a claim to a piece of Estonia for Sweden. The north was taken by the Danes the south was conquered by a mixture of sword brethren and crusader, crusaders based in Riga and claims from Denmark on the island of Sodoma didn't look like easy picking. So we chose the, the strategically smart, or it seemed so at the time, Lanema that was closest to Sweden. So King Johan, his bishop, and his army landed at Lanema and made their way about 15 kilometers inland to Lihula, 
which already had a castle, and they went about rebuilding the castle to their liking. Once King Johan was satisfied with the construction of the castle, he left back to Sweden, leaving a garrison of around 500 men, the Duke of East Gotland, and a bishop to man the castle. Well, while the spot chosen was free from other European claimants, it happened to be a short distance away from Sodoma. The news of the invasion, invasion of an area so close to Sodoma was not going to happen without a fight. A large army was gathered, and they made their way to the castle on the morning of the August 8th, 1220. The besieging army was large enough to surround the castle, and they set fire to it. The fire was so intense and the smoke so great that the Swedes were forced out of the castle, where they were set upon by the attackers from Sodoma. In all, about 500 were killed, with a few somehow managing to escape the slaughter and make their way to a nearby Danish fort. Sodoma was still on the offensive after this victory. The victory must have given them hope of driving out the invaders from all of Estonia. In 1221, they decided to try and take the fortress of, at Tallinn with men from Haru, Ravala, and Viruma. The siege lasted for 14 days until four ships were seen on the horizon. And thinking that these were likely Danish reinforcements, the siege was lifted and they went back to Sodoma. This attack seems to have made King Valdemar determined to put a stop to the pirates of Sodoma, because in the year 1222, he personally led an army of two Sodoma and quickly went about building a stone stronghold. While building the fort, the islanders attacked, and it seemed like the islanders might win the battle when Count Albert of Ulumundu showed up and, and turned the tide of the battle. Later, Bishop Albert of Riga and his army showed up and directed by King Valdemar to help in the offensive. However, it was an awkward meeting because all of the Livonians, with Bishop Albert, went to Sodoma to tell the king that they didn't want to be ruled by Denmark anymore. In a surprise move, the king reversed his earlier decision and gave Livonia back to Bishop Albert and gave Ugandi and Sakala back to the Sword Brothers, under condition that they all swear fealty to Denmark, and promise to assist Denmark militarily if called upon. And that is what happened. Once the main defense, defensive wall was complete, King Valdemar left Sodermod de defended by his Danish troops. The, the islanders immediately organized a counterattack, with the help from the Estonians of Lanema, and they were able to, net, to network with the Estonians of Varbala and procured a catapult that was left by the Danes. The Estonians went about studying the catapult's construction and were able to produce 17 more in total. With the help of the newly built catapults, a serious siege began. For five days, the catapults fired stones at the walls of the fort. The defenders suffered many dead, and some of the besiegers were killed by arrows, but not enough to stop the attack. On the fifth day, the defenders were forced to agree to surrender terms, 
with most of the defenders allowed to, to leave. Seven men were kept hostage, along with the brother of Bishop Albert. The fort was demolished to such an extent that no stones were left even at the base. The news of the success of the islanders made its way back to Estonia, and this encouraged and gave hope to people all over Estonia. The Danes didn't leave Estonia with much men to hold the territory, and with rebellion, this became evident. The islanders sent envoys to other regions in Estonia to instruct others on how to construct catapults. In January 1223, uprisings occurred throughout Estonia. The fortress of Varbala was the first to fall, and the Danes and their priests were killed. In Viru and Yarva, the Estonians didn't kill their captured men, but sent them to Tallinn. The Estonians of Sakala were not as reserved. On Sunday, January 29, 1223, they, they breached the defenses of the fortress of Viljandi during church services. The Sword Brothers, their servants, tradesmen, and a bailiff were killed. Those that weren't killed were taken away in chains. The men from Sakala then went to the fortress of Leole and arrested Hebe, the bailiff of Yarva, and took him back to Viljandi. There, Hebe's heart was torn from his still living body and roasted and eaten by the Estonians. This was supposed to make the men strong against the Christians. The elders of Viljandi sent messages to Tartu and Atupa, notifying them of their victory and encouraged them to follow their example. To the men of Tartu, the men from Viljandi sent swords stained with Christian blood, along with horses and clothing, clothing taken from the victory. Soon Tartu, Tartu and Atupa were free with the dead Christians scattered in the fields, being preyed upon by birds and dogs. Soon the regions all over the country were freed. Due to the quick and decisive action of the islanders and the men throughout Estonia. Only the attempt to free Tallinn failed after a long siege and a counterattack by the Danes drove off the besiegers. All Christian icons were destroyed and ancestral customs were brought back into use. Dead Estonians buried in the Christian fashion were exhumed and cremated according to the pagan tradition. And houses and fortresses were washed to remove the christening. Their fortresses were reinforced and the locals taught one another how to shoot a German bow and worked on their catapult accuracy. We will end this ep episode here on a high note for the Estonians. Am, am I allowed to say that? The pagan Estonians just went on a Christian killing rampage and just freed themselves from their overlords in their own native lands. Well, we will have to wait until next episode to see how long they can maintain their newly won freedom. If you would like to reach out to me, you can contact me at sparsleyw at gmail.com, sparsley, like the herb or vegetable, w, or in Estonian, Petersel. Thank you for listening. Nagamisini.